Welcome to SCOTUS Talk. We're thrilled to bring you the first episode of our new Plain English podcast on the Supreme Court, hosted by SCOTUS blog contributors and with guest appearances from Supreme Court experts. I'm Amy Howe from Howe on the Court. For our first episode, we're going to take a look back at the oral argument on Wednesday in American Legion versus American Humanist Association. The case is a challenge to the constitutionality of a 40-foot cross that sits in a traffic median just a few miles away from the Supreme Court in the suburbs outside Washington, D.C. The cross was dedicated in 1925 to honor 49 soldiers from Prince George's County, Maryland, who died during World War I. The cross has the symbol of the American Legion, which spearheaded the campaign to put up the memorial at the top. At the bottom of the cross, there's a plaque with the names of the fallen soldiers and a quote from President Woodrow Wilson. The cross is also part of a larger park that honors veterans, so there are smaller memorials nearby in honor of the War of 1812, World War II, the Korean and Vietnam Wars, and the September 11th attacks. In 2012, a group of local residents and the American Humanist Association challenged the cross in court. They argued that having the cross on public land violates the Constitution's ban on establishing religion. A federal appeals court agreed with them, and the case made its way to the Supreme Court, which heard oral arguments on Wednesday. I'm joined by NPR's Nina Totenberg, the ultimate plain English expert <laughs> on the Supreme Court. And Nina, set the stage for us. There were actually four lawyers arguing at, at the court on Wednesday. Yeah, there was. There were mainly on one side. There were three on one side. And there was Neil Katyal, former acting solicitor general in the Obama administration, who basically wanted to win for his client, his client being the Maryland Parks Commission. And he was saying to the court, look, just do the minimum you have to do. This comports with your previous decisions that deal with war memorials. It's a cross, but that was the symbol of war dead at the time of World War II, and that's all you have to do. And then there was the American Legion's lawyer, Michael Carvin, who said, no, that's not all you have to do. You should change the way we interpret the separation of church and state and the rules governing the separation of church and state and have a different and, and much more um, friendly test to religion. And then you had the government represented by Jeffrey Wall, the Deputy Solicitor General, saying, well, we sort of agree with Mr. Carvin, but we're not going to say so as loud as he does. And then the fourth lawyer represented the American Humanist Association and the people who object to the cross. And let's talk a little bit about the cross itself, because you went out to visit it, I went out to visit it. It seemed like pretty much the entire Supreme Court press corps <laughs> went to visit it. It seemed like maybe the justices could have also benefited from a visit to the cross. I was really surprised when we finally drove up and you see it in the distance and it doesn't look that big. All the pictures of it make it look very big because they're all taken from the base of the cross looking upward or even lit at night which makes it look even grander. Uh, but in fact the surroundings, there may be small war memorials across the street and down the road but you really don't see those. I never saw them. No. What you see is King's Pawn Shop and Kelly's Muffler and stuff like Hot Rides and all stuff like that. And, in fact, King's Pawn Shop is almost as prominent as the cross. It's a huge orange sign that takes up most of the block. 
So, and it's, you take your life in your hands to go across the street to see this thing. You can get across the street. But there, it's an intersection of like five different major roadways with cars driving fast. So you have to really look and listen and then dash. Yes, it's not a solemn, reflective moment by any means. There was a guy there who also tried to sell me a Little Debbie snack cakes. So <laughs> but it was too close to dinner time. Um, so it seemed like the court, there were sort of two questions going on, and you've, you've alluded to them sort of setting the stage. Um, the first is, does this cross violate the Constitution, and, and what are we going to do about it? And, and the, the argument by the Parks Commission, and to a lesser extent the federal government, was the cross here, it's not, it's not really a cross. It's not a religious symbol as much as it's a secular war memorial, and the cross had a particular significance for the World War I generation. And we'll hear from Jeff Wall, the Deputy U.S. Solicitor General, who argued on behalf of the United States. That it has taken on a secular meaning associated with uh, sacrifice or, or death or commemoration, and a locality, a, a state can decide to use it in, for that meaning. Some of the, the court's more liberal justices weren't buying it. Justice Elena Kagan was one of those. I mean, it is the foremost symbol of Christianity, isn't it? It invokes the central theological claim of Christianity, that Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, died on the cross um, uh, for humanity's sins and that he rose from the dead. This is why Christians use crosses as a way to memorialize the dead. Justice Sonia Sotomayor chimed in. There is a brief here that says that to deeply religious Christians— Secularizing the cross is blasphemy. Christ died on the cross. He was resurrected um, from his grave. So those people don't view secularizing the cross as something. uh, It's not just Jewish people or Hindu people who might be offended. It could be Christians as well. Nina, there's an ideological divide on the court that's been well discussed, but there's also a religious one. Yeah, it's a court with six Catholics and three Jews, no Protestants. Uh, which is sort of a remarkable thing in ter- if you look at the broad sweep of history when uh, it was rare until the latter part of the 20th century for there to be any Catholics on the court. And there was never more than one Jew for a very long time and sometimes no Jews. Um, so so it, it, I think the sensibilities here are do pit five of the Catholics against the three Jewish justices plus Justice Sotomayor, who's a a more liberal Catholic. Um, But I think that even among conservatives, there is a real acknowledgement of the fact that the cross is a Christian symbol and that this puts them in a, between a rock and a hard place. And, and Justice Breyer too, who, who's Jewish, who said, who, it, puts him between a rock and a hard place because, look, the court is an American institution and it doesn't want to go around saying, you know, tear down all these war memorials uh, and insult people. On the other hand, it's it's a tough call. We have that clip from Justice Breyer. And Justice Breyer had actually been kind of uncharacteristically silent for a lot of the argument, but this was clearly on his mind. And so toward the end of the argument, he asked Monica Miller, who was the, argue, who was the attorney for the challenger, whether the existing crosses could effect, effectively be grandfathered in 
Um, but then let's have a bar on new crosses going forward. They have 54 in the briefs, 54 examples of things that people might bring cases, and if you win, tear them down. We are a different country now, and uh, there are 50 more different religions, uh, and therefore no more. But we're not going to have people trying to tear down historical monuments even here. Okay? Now, what do you think of that? I'm not suggesting I'm for it. I want to know what you think of it. Monica Miller tried to downplay the impact of a ruling for her clients. I think two things. One is, again, the exaggeration that's going on on the record, that there's somehow 50 or hundreds, we've gotten all sorts of numbers, of crosses that are on public land. I counted about 15 amongst the amicus briefs on private land. So I'd say there's something closer to about 10, maybe 20, and that is inclusive of, of crosses that are quite small. But it seemed like it was a really important concern for the justices, Nina. I think it was, as it you might imagine it would be. They don't want to make trouble for themselves. And, and I think nobody said, gee, Justice Breyer, that's a great idea. Let's try to figure out how to do that. But it is, you know, he is the ultimate in a pragmatic justice. And he sees the problem. And he doesn't see a rule to fix it. The only fix is a sort of a pragmatic one, which is, okay, the ones that are there are okay, but no more. And that's not a legal rule. That's the problem. And the legal rules that they keep espousing give them problems. And that is our, our second, the second question that was floating around that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, coming into this case, Justice Clarence Thomas had complained that the Supreme Court's cases on religious symbols in public life were in disarray. And there was a federal appeals court in Atlanta described these cases as a hot mess. And so that was one of the questions is, is the Supreme Court going to say anything more about when you can have religious symbols in public life? You know, were they going to expand the scenarios in which you could have religious, and symbol, religious symbols in public life? What's the current state of the law? It's a hot mess. <laughs> it's a hot mess. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's very complicated. And for purposes of this podcast, it's too complicated to go into all the permutations, except to say that for over a half century or so, the court has had different standards. Um, does, does the symbol or the program, because we can be talking about aid to religious schools too, do, does the symbol or the program entangle the government with a religion? Is the purpose a non-religious purpose? Um, does it appear that the government is endorsing religion? Is it preferring one religion over another? Well, everybody agrees that the government cannot adopt one religion over another. That's not so difficult. But what about sort of more generic ideas, whether it's a, whether the whether we're talking about a cross? or aid to parochial schools for programs that are not specifically religious. The court has grappled with this for, as I said, a half century yeah. or so. And the difficulty is, every time they think they've got a good test, it turns out to be harder than they thought. So the endorsement test, the so-called endorsement test, well, that sounds pretty simple. That was actually a case involving a crash on public property in, in front of, I think, the city hall or the town square um, at, at Christmas time. And the court upheld the crash because it was surrounded by uh, 
Santa Claus, uh, plastic reindeer, other symbols of Christmas, and therefore it could be seen as far more secular and not an endorsement of a religion or a specific religion. It came to be known irreverently as the plastic reindeer test. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, and now you, you it, it, it's, it's clear that conservatives especially want some sort of a bright line that will be more friendly to religion. So they come up with the bright line here, which is what they call the coercion test. Unless you're coercing people to believe something they don't want to believe, unless you're proselytizing, um, it's okay to do whatever you want in terms of stuff on public property and taxpayer support for main, maintaining a monument or something else. But when you start offering hypotheticals, it sort of falls apart, as Chief Justice Roberts observed. I was just I, going to say, you start out with uh, what you, you, you advertise as a pretty uh, 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 concise test, but it degenerates pretty quickly into, well, I need to know about this, I need to know about that, and becomes kind of a fact-specific uh, uh, test rather than the, the, the crisper one that you propose in your brief. So do we think this is going to be just a ruling about the cross? We're not going to get some new light on the the Supreme Court's law and religion? That would be my guess. And guessing when you're talking about Supreme Court outcomes is always a little dangerous. Certainly the conservative majority of the court would like to do something that's much more friendly to religion. I'm not sure that this is the case for it because... They can do the minimum and get away with it and not break new ground and say what Neil Katyal was saying, the lawyer for the Parks Commission. At the time this was built, the cross was viewed as a, a symbol of war dead, and therefore you can leave it in place. Can leave the crosses that are at Arlington National Cemetery, which was something that Neil had also emphasized both in his briefs and in the Supreme Court, because they're in the same area as this cross. And so, if this cross, there are two big crosses. There are yeah. two big crosses, somewhat like this, at Arlington that he maintained would have to be um, taken down or moved. Uh, but most of the crosses at Arlington are on individual graves, and everybody agrees that that's fine. And there are also lots of Stars of David on, on, on graves at Arlington, and everybody agrees that that's fine. You know, this is, we have to, frankly speaking, this is, this is a term with a new justice, Justice Kavanaugh, and Justice Gorsuch only on the court for a year, uh, and a new court majority with Justice Kennedy gone. And my sense is that at least the Chief Justice, and as is often the case this year, he has been the, the linchpin, the, dis, the place where the center of gravity for the court, because which, whither he goes, goes the court mm -hmm. majority. He doesn't want the court to do some big religion decision right. this term. And I suspect there are other members of the conservative majority who don't either. They, they want to stay out of politics. They've had a rough year with the Kavanaugh confirmation. They just as soon, uh, you know, stay out of the limelight and let President Trump 
do what he does and not get attached to him and not get attached to uh, Republicans or Democrats in Congress and not appear as they as if they are, as the chief put it, Obama judges or Trump judges or Bush judges. So I, I think they'll try to not look for trouble, and that would mean sort of ducking here. Yeah, and it looked even by the end that this wasn't necessarily going to be a, a closely divided court. This could be yeah. perhaps six, six to three or even seven to two based on what Justice Kagan was saying I think by that's the right. end of the argument. I think so. that's right. Um, it, it's very possible that this could, they, there could be a real consensus decision with only a couple of dissenters. We'll know more by the end of June. Thanks to <laughs> Nina. Thanks to our production team, Andrew Hamm, Edith Roberts, John Levitan, and thanks to Case Text for sponsoring SCOTUS Blog.